And welcome, my friends, to another episode of Ramones Mania, a podcast for Ramones fans by a Ramones fan talking about the Ramones. I'm your host, Didi Thorazine, and this week, my guest is none other than one of the friendliest dudes in the Ramones core world, Mr. Jay Prozac of the Prozacs, of the band Stiletto Bomb, of the band The Grand Pricks, of Doubtfire, and of course, his newest project, Sonic Diffuser. Basically, I think anyone in the Ramones core world knows who Jay Prozac is. He's just one of those guys who has just been around for a long time, and he's just churned out killer records. And I'm sure that every Ramones core fan has a, something with his name on it. You know, it just it is part and parcel with the with the genre of music that we love, uh, which is pretty rad for him. Uh, I had heard about him, you know plenty of times over the years, but it wasn't until my friend uh, Bill McCracken from the McCrackens did a, an album with him under the band name of Doubtfire. So once I listened to that record, I immediately was just so hooked on that record and I was like, I need to you know, find out more about the, the Prozacs, you know, instead of just the one or two songs that I had. So uh, I did a deep dive and jumped into the rabbit hole of Jay Prozac tunes and uh, here we are today. So before we get stuck into this episode, I just want to let you know that you can follow the podcast on social media. There's an Instagram page, uh, which is at Ramones Mania Podcast. There's a Facebook page for you to interact with, which is Ramones Mania Podcast. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can always email me at Podcast at gmail.com. Well, also... Also, in other Ramones core news, I just want to let you know that uh, the band The Hung Ups, who are an awesome band, have just released their Panic Attack EP from 2017, which is now available on 7-inch vinyl, a few different colours there. Uh, it's pretty bitchin'. Make sure you head over to the Bandcamp page and grab yourself a copy of that. Those uh, serial killer psychopaths from uh, wherever they're from, Crystal Lake, the Jasons, have announced a split 7-inch with those mysterious guys, the Black Russians. And I think it's coming out of Mum's Basement Records. So make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that because I'm sure it's going to go quick. And the Travolters have reissued their Team B album through Stardom Records. So jump online and make sure you grab yourself a copy of that because that is a classic record and you all need it. You definitely do need that. And uh, there's a reason why you need it more than ever, but we'll get to that later. Anyway, back to Jay Prozac. Like I said, the dude is so much stuff that's out on vinyl, CD, whatever. He's done so much stuff over the years and it's all noteworthy and fun. So definitely check out. You know, and if you have yet to hear Jay Prozac's music, well, you're in luck because we're going to touch on most of it uh, through this episode. Awesome. That's a bargain. Can't get better than that. So this is a long show. 
as we really got into some deep history and some fun chats, but I think you're really going to enjoy it. So grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and enjoy this awesome chat with Jay Prozac from his, like, 100 different bands about all things Ramones Mania. Party, 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 party We just wanna party tonight Slaves to the grind, we're running out of time Yeah, we just wanna party tonight Reality is setting in We're getting older, we'll never win We just wanna We just wanna party tonight Party, party 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 First of all, I've got to say it's a pleasure to talk to you. It's been a long time. <laughs> I think we've... Uh, oh, likewise. We've been like following each other for years, man, like on uh, on social media because I know that you added me on Facebook many years ago when I had Facebook, but I've since deleted it. Right. And... Uh, I think it must have been through Bill McCracken that we we ended up becoming uh, in contact. Like, uh, I think he posted something about me when he had Facebook, and I think that's when you added me because of the Doubtfire thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, right around Doubtfire. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, awesome. So it's 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 such a it's it's a it's it's a nice community. How all these bands that are inspired by this one band. Uh, all like we, we're all just mates you know what I mean we're all just friends with each other we all hang out we don't get to hang out because we don't really live near each other but we all have a mutual respect and there's a big community of uh, of band, of people and bands that just love the Ramones and it brings everybody together it's awesome oh yeah come become friends and become better friends than some of the people you see all every day yeah exactly because you're interacting with them all the time you, you're, you're seeing what new records they've got out what new releases they're doing, anything like that. And it's just kind of, it's so cool just to see how much is actually happening in this Ramones core world, I should say, quote, unquote. Yeah, oh, for sure. Awesome. Well, like I said, you know, thanks heaps for doing this. I know, uh, you know, you had to wake up early. Uh, so I really do appreciate uh, you finding the time to do this. And uh, Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Ah, uh, that's cool, man. Well, we, we worked together on a song how, as if you were going to get yeah. off scot-free. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, right? <laughs> That's a kick-ass song, man. I was so stoked when I heard that. I was too, man. Like, I didn't know how it was going to go. Like, I just figured that I would just ask people who were in bands that I liked. If I've heard your music and I liked your music and I liked what you did with your singing, I would just ask you. And so I just put the feelers out to a bunch of people and with the ones that got back to me were the ones that got to be in the song. And oh, so cool. Uh, once uh, the once I had enough words, I was just like, "All right, that's it. I'm done. No more." So if anyone sends me stuff <laughs> now, it's too late. So right, right, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it turned out really well, and I'm glad we got you know d- raised 130 bucks for the cause, which is fantastic. That's so, super. Hell yeah. Yeah, I was very, very, very happy with it. They wrote me an email after I donated the money and said, "Wow, thank you so much for your generous donation." Blah 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 blah. And I was just like, "No worries, man. You're doing a good job." So. You know, you're saving lives, so just keep it up. No, so. that's great. I, th- I thank you so much for reaching out to me. I'm glad I got to, was able to do it. Yeah, well, you were the first person to get back to me with everything. You must have been so excited about it. You're just like, fuck, I'm fired up. <laughs> I'm excited or I'm desperate. I don't know. 
That's a fine line, I guess. <laughs> well, the reason that we're here today is obviously uh, it's the Ramones Mania show where I basically talk to bands that are inspired by the, the Ramones, but about their love for the Ramones and uh, how it relates back to them and their music and their lives. So the first thing I did want to ask you, Jay, is, you know, do you remember the first time that you ever heard the Ramones and what your immediate reaction was? Uh, the first time I probably remember hearing the Ramones would be like MTV when they were playing like I, I sedated. Mm-hmm. But I never really latched on to it. That would have been in the, you know, in the 80s at some point. But I, uh, I didn't get into the punk rock until Green Day, 90, you know, 93, 94 in that era. Oh, okay. And, and, and the Ramones didn't, didn't resonate with me. I just, you know, there were, I was getting blown up with all these new bands. And uh, by probably around 95, when I discovered uh, Screeching Weasel and the Queers, MTX, and all these bands that were blatantly mentioning the Ramones, and, you know, I wound up picking up Ramones Mania. Mm-hmm. So that was that was my introduction, and it, it, just, it just melted with me. Nice. Uh, picked up that. I got Ramones Volume 1 and 2. And then Adios Amigos, when that came out. Those are the four Ramones albums I had for, for quite a while. And uh, just kind of became more of a home base over the years, you know? Yeah, yeah. How did you feel like, um, you know, like, you know, picking up Adios Amigos so, like, early in your discovery of the Ramones? Like, did that kind of like, hang on a second, what's going on here? Because so many people write off the later albums. I think all the albums are great, but a lot of people just say, you know, the the later albums aren't that good and nothing after Road to Ruin's any good or, you know, all that sort of shit. Like, was that kind of bizarre when you hear, like, a, the last album so early in your, in your discovery? Well, I mean, at the time, I didn't know anything about the actual music. You know, I didn't know the scenes. I didn't – I was learning it all. I was discovering it. I didn't play music until 98. So I was just a – I was a fan and I wasn't – digging too deeply into things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, other than like realizing I missed the chance to see the Ramones play around me twice, twice they played in my area uh, in those mid nineties and, uh, you know, 95, 96, I could have heard about it. I wasn't really going to shows yet. And uh, so, you know, I missed some opportunities that were right there, but I also got some, but yeah, it didn't really, uh, it didn't make a difference to me. It was what I heard. That's how I heard them. I picked up Adios Amigos. I I didn't know anything about it at the time. As I got deeper into the uh, catalog and deeper into punk rock, you know, yeah, I mean, especially now hearing everyone's opinions and views, I, I enjoy the Ramones all the way through. Mm. I probably myself, I resonate around the, the first four. I'm not, I'm not stuck on the first four. I mean, uh, I probably know those almost better than anything. Yeah, but yeah. pleasant, pleasant dreams is my home base Ramones album. That's my that's my favorite. That's uh, so many reasons I love that album. Yeah, um, but I, I I think Adios Amigos is a great record. I think I don't listen to the in between as much, and um, some stuff I have I have most of the discography on vinyl, but I didn't spend a lot of time listening to vinyl. So it was kind of uh, because I was mostly on the road with uh, my riding bikes and uh, with music and stuff. So I spent a lot of time in my earlier years, you know, I, so I collected the vinyl and everything. But, uh, yeah, I would say the, the Pleasant Dreams era. I love the, the real pop stuff. I mean, the, 
I think they, I think they got a solid discography all the way through. There's a couple songs here and there that are cringy to me. Yep. <laughs> hair, hair of the dogs one. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a big big skip over on albums usually either. You know, I I, listen, I like listening to a whole record. Yeah, same. You know, I don't do a. I, it's fun doing like a playlist or, you know, putting on a I guess like a stream channel or putting your iPod on shuffle. But I always find myself just dropping an album and I listen to it front to back. Yep. And uh, but yeah, getting back to the point, I you know I, I never really had that mentality with the Ramones. Like this is all they are you know and to be honest like not to knock the ramones core the label of it and but i, I you know there's a lot of great bands playing the ramones style but i i feel like they're usually only playing the essence of it they're playing the the basic of it you know what i mean yeah because yep. if you go through their, their catalog you know a good example the the huntingtons just put out a new record mm-hmm. they're notorious for being the big ramones core band yep and their new record doesn't sound like their old records and it doesn't sound like the one, two, three, four Ramones core, but they're, they're tapping into that, those later year records. Yeah. That inspiration. And you can hear that. And I, I thought that was pretty cool that they went there. I really like that record, that new Huntington's record. Actually, I think it's great. I, I got, uh, I picked it up on vinyl, uh, just recently. It came in a package that I, of uh, records that I bought from, you know, Europe. And I mean, I'd heard, already heard it, but, to sit down and just, you know, when I get a record, I, I just put it on and I sit down and really digest it, just sit there and don't do anything else but just listen to the record. And uh, I was just like, wow, yeah, this is, I mean, this is great. Like, it, it's it, it's different to the, the early shit, but it, it's still right. just, it just rocks.
things are gonna get better Better Things are gonna get better Well they better Things are gonna get better ah, Things are gonna get better Oh oh yeah Things are gonna get better ah, Things are gonna get better Oh oh yeah No, yeah, it's, it's it's really rad. They were, you know, they were, I think they were skeptical go, going into it, not sure what fans would want to hear. Yeah, uh, you know what fans would think of it, but they they had they also had no expectation. I know that they were like, you know what, we're gonna make a record. We've been kind of having it itching on our brain for a long time, so let's do it and see what happens. Do or die, you know. Yeah, and well, I actually, think it was I think it was a good good move. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I, you know what cracks me up the most about that is the name of the record, right? How it's in Spanish. Uh, it translates, right. translates to Dead Jail to Rock and Roll, which is the name of a Michael Monroe. Uh, the, the only, I think it was like the, the big hit that he had in America was Dead Jail to Rock and Roll uh, of his, um, you know, Michael Monroe, I, right? From Hanoi Rocks. I, actually, I only really knew him from Bill. Uh, Bill McCracken really uh, introduced me to him. I'm not familiar with his, whole, with his catalog, to be honest. Oh, okay. Well, back yeah, back in the day, he had a I'm he sorry. had a hit single. <laughs> That's fine. He had he had a hit single called "Dead Jail Rock and Roll." I guess it was a minor hit, but you know, it's got Guns yeah. and Roses in the video and stuff like that, or Axl Rose in the video and stuff. It's a great song, and I'm wondering if uh, if they um, if they knew if they know about that. I'll have to get them on the show one time and ask them if they know about Michael Monroe's song called "Dead Jail Rock and Roll." Yeah, I almost feel like uh, that was brought up on another podcast, and. Uh, I do. I, I know. I don't know if you know that they were going to use that title at another point in time. Oh, okay. That I did not know. No. I I believe that's that was the story that they were going to use that title, and uh, the label. I think it was for Get Lost. I think they were going to use that title for the album Get Lost. And um, don't quote me a hundred percent, but I believe that's how it went. <laughs> and the t- tooth and nail wasn't going for it. Wow. So they kind of got the. Kind of got to bring it back all these years later, and then going to going with the you know the non English version of it is kind of just like a you know little icing on the cake. Yeah, but you know, good for them. That's awesome. It's cool when you get. Yeah, I'm sure you know when you've got something, an idea or something that you want to use, and it just doesn't seem to pan out, and like you get that satisfaction of even if it's a decade or two later. <laughs> You're speaking finally, from experience because of because of your band, right? Sonic Diffuser. That's reason. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, right. That's a perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you explained on your on the Instagram post, where you were saying that you know you had the name for a band, but it, it never stuck to to begin with. But now it it has stuck. So right, <laughs> yeah. So man, I'm I, you put out so much stuff though over the years, and trying to collect it all was a nightmare. Uh, which, believe me, I've, I've tried to do. Here in Australia, it's hard to find Prozac stuff. The only two, three records I have is uh, Ambivalence, which is still sitting in America. Uh, it's in LA. Oh, no. And I oh, know it's, it's okay. I get all my records in America sent to a friend's house and they box them all up and send them to me. So it saves oh, on postage because awesome. postage is a fucking killer. So. Oh, yeah. I've, I've sent to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> So I just get everything sent to my friend in California. They box it all up, and then they will ship out 
boxes of like 60 records at a time to me. So it's just sitting there waiting to be sent out. So I'll get to it. There's like, yeah, they're waiting on the, the actually, they're actually waiting on the new cardboard packaging boxes to arrive at their house so they can start filling them up. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So once I get that, then they'll send it out and I'll finally get to, to hear that. But I've got, um, Obviously, the split with the McCrackens. Uh, what's the? I've got another. It's a blue cover, the seven inch. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, um, the uh, another bright idea with uh, no intention. Uh, that's probably it. I would have to get up out of my chair and look, and I just yeah, records are too far away from me at the moment. Uh, so, it's all good, <laughs> but it's fine. But uh, yeah, so like McCracken stuff is just not easy to find here in Australia, which is really unfortunate because when you discover a band, you really like the music they're putting out. And, you know, you're trying to track it down. It's just a fucking nightmare for us. But, you know, we, we so every time I go to the States, I'm always like looking for records by all these bands that, you know, that I grew up listening to on, you know, on those cheap comps or whatever, because a lot of that stuff just didn't filter in out here on a major scale. So you'd have to, you know, you'd be lucky if you can find them, you know, because... Stuff like that, and the seven inches are only like three hundred copies or five hundred copies. You know, your chances of finding it aren't always going to be great. Right. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember searching for the McCrackens. That was uh, again in the the nineties. You know. Yep. And uh, I mean, it's always just so kick ass when you're in a uh, you know some random record store, you're on the road, and like you're not even looking for anything in particular. You're just looking for anything that you might not not have found elsewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I have fond memories of, uh, I was living in Michigan briefly and a couple of record stores there and I had probably picked up three or four McCracken seven inches. Nice. And I was like, oh, wow, this is close to Canada. So it's probably easier to, <laughs> you know, easy to find, but not realizing Vancouver is like, you know, they're actually the other side of the country. Yes. <laughs> So I'm just like, oh, I'm in Canada, sweet, you know. <laughs> Actually, I picked up I picked up uh, comic books and bubble gums on my first tour with my first band, the Grand Pricks. Uh, we were uh, and Jimmy from the Vapids had brought us to a record store, and again, same mentality. Oh shit, we're in Canada. The McCrackens are from Canada. I'll be able to find everything. But uh, I did pick up that. You know, that was a, one of my fond memories of that trip. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what's cool. Like back in the day, you know, it's finding you know going on the internet is cool. You can build your record collection, but nothing beats having a having a story, a distinct memory, a yep. challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Like I remember there was a one time that uh, in two thousand and eight we were in uh, Zurich, Switzerland, and. Uh, my my friend in Switzerland took us to this amazing record store. I can't remember the name of it, but it was like all it was decked out like a sixties, like just sixties paraphernalia, memorabilia everywhere, go go stuff and whatever. It was it was a pretty incredible store. I can't remember the name of it for the life of me, but uh, I just know it was in Zurich because it wasn't that far from the bar that is owned by Celtic Frost. But anyway, that's beside the point. The point is, is that <laughs> we were going. I was going through records and I was flicking through just garage rock and roll and whatever, just trying to find something, you know. And I just remember saying to my friend um, Catherine, I said, "Oh, I've been looking for this record by this guy called Ron Haydock and the Boppers. Like he did the soundtrack to this movie called Rat Finker Boo Boo." which is one of my favorite movies, and I've been looking for this soundtrack forever, and I just can't fucking find it. Have you ever heard of this? And she's like, no, I've never heard of that. 
Three records later, no shit, there it was. Three records later, we were talking about it, and then fucking, I just kept flicking, three records later, bam, there it is. I pulled it out, it was released on Norton Records, and I looked at it and I said, holy shit, I just showed her, and the look on her face is in shock. And she was like, that's awesome. What other records do you need to find? Tell me about them in case we find them. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, that's so cool, man. Those, uh, it adds such value to your to your memorabilia and your collection. You know, to, mm-hmm. I love it. I, I love it. I love sitting down and having a good story. You know, and I, I was on a road trip, uh, BMX road trip, uh, around two thousand one, and uh, me and my buddy were going cross country to California, so we we stopped to take a piss and grab food in Nebraska. And we, we get out, uh, there's a record store nearby. I'm like, hey, you mind if I go stop in the record store? And I go and I dig it out. And I wound up walking out with a, um, I got a Muffs, I, I think I bought Muffs, their hamburger CD. Nice. And I found a Fastbacks uh, 10-inch gatefold live at the Crocodile. Nice. And, you know, and I, I was so stoked because I was at that point, I was starting to, you know, collect the Fastbacks stuff. And um, yeah, it's something I didn't even know existed, so. That puppy sat under the seat of my car, the front seat of my car, <laughs> for the next month on our road trip. That's amazing. But yeah, you know, again, those uh, yeah, all that stuff that's connected. A lot of people don't understand when they're not collecting things and they don't, you know, it doesn't really mean anything. Yep. But, you know, the people that it does, I could sit down for hours and hours and just go back and forth with these kind of stories. Yeah, and I think that that's why record collecting is such a, an amazing thing is because there are so many stories. Like, I mean, what's the, what's the story that goes with an MP3? Oh, yeah, right-click, save as, that was it. I mean, that's your story? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you, Yeah, you, I found this site where I could download their entire catalog, so I did. You know? <laughs> well, wow, awesome. I could do that too. <laughs> so, but I mean, like, yeah, like going to, you know, try, especially when you're in another country, like that's always a fucking trip because, uh, you know, like I, when I've been to Amoeba, for example, Amoeba in Hollywood is just, oh my God, some of the shit that I found in that place, which is just blown my mind, especially Australian stuff, because for some reason, Australian records are really cheap in the USA, uh, besides all the heavy hitters like Radio Birdman and, you know, people know what they've got when they see Radio Birdman, but, you know, I, right. I've been over there and uh, been flicking through and found singles i found a you know sealed records by the hard-ons for like five to ten dollars and i'm just like are you fucking kidding me like sitting here and so tang records who released like dick cheese and lovers of battlefield must have had like excess stock or something and and just gone and taken it down there said hey we've got all these hard-ons records here you go you know like just giving them to them or something because they they were like mint like they're all still sealed so i grabbed whatever i could you know because i'm that guy right so, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I, there's a, a handful of bands I've done. I've picked up extra records just and I've given away so much stuff to just people, bands staying at my house on tour and whatnot. And, um, you know, it's, it's always rad when it's going to a good home. Yeah, uh, it's a good story to tell. And also a little bit of blackmail, you know, years later. Hey, you still got that record I gave you? You know that <laughs> it's really hard to find. <laughs> but uh you know I, like I, you know I, I Luke from the copyrights I uh, had the copyrights that stayed at my house in uh, uh, the early 2000s and uh Luke was just working with um I believe he was working with Clearview to remix uh Lillington shit out of luck 
Nice. And I had two two copies of the Nothing Cool split. And he didn't have it. He's like, oh, and I gave it to him. And I'm, you know, I'm like, it's cool. You're working on the record. You don't have it. You're, you know, you're working on the material for that that three disc set that he did. And, you know, I, I gave Luke the record. <laughs> I'm like, man, it would be pretty cool if I still had two copies of that split because it's sought after. <laughs> I don't even know, have that one. I, I don't even have that split. I'm still looking for that one myself. So. You know, if I had it still, I, I'd, I'd wind up giving it to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing that, uh, that, that that now, especially because of websites like Discogs and stuff, that records have become like this huge commodity now, like where, I mean, they've always been, because, you know, I remember back in the early 90s when people would do like silent auctions where you'd you'd get a, a, a you know, a list, a price list in the mail with like the reserve price and then you just have to write to this guy, you know, via mail with your bid and then if you win it, he's going to write back to you and say the record is yours, here's my bank details to put, or send me right. a money order, you know, so it's that, that sort of stuff has always happened but, it it wasn't like I remember buying you know all those screeching weasel records and stuff as they were coming out, and those singles I, I was picking them up for like five dollars, three dollars, five dollars fifty, and now you oh, yeah. you you'd be fucking you know shit out of luck trying to find you know Pervo Devo for like less than thirty bucks or something. It's ridiculous. Right. Yep. No, nope, totally true. I don't sell a lot of records. It's very rare. The last uh, probably the last four or five years. I've sold a handful, uh, mostly to, to generate money to put out my own records. And um, I, example, I, I had uh, two LPs by head, and nice. I, I sold both of them. I believe I sold both of them to John from Mom's Basement Records, who who did the, the head tribute. That's right. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, I kind of wish I held on to them. Yeah. So uh, next time, uh, if I ever get together with you, John, and we have a couple beers, and I'm in your house, I might wind up getting them back. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, yeah, I've, I've sold a couple of things, but uh, the coolest one I sold was a, um, I had pictures of my record collection I was putting online a couple of years ago, and a kid saw I had a Blink-182 7-inch, and uh, it was a split, uh, and uh, I wound up, he hit me up, I wound up selling it for 165 bucks. <laughs> yeah, is that the first and, one, the first record they did? Yeah, yeah, and the same thing, I picked it up for probably about three bucks, you know, back in the 90s. Yeah, and, uh, I got a sad story about that fucking record, man. That's that's a sore spot for me. So, oh no! Yeah, it, someone took it. Someone stole it off me. And oh, uh, shit. yeah, the one with the iconoclast, right? That's that was the other band. Yes. Yeah. 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 Short bus, I think it's called. Um, yeah, I I had that. I bought it like way back in the early days of eBay. Uh, I managed to get it for twenty dollars, and oh, uh, nice. th- that was postage paid to you know to Australia because Blink hadn't fully broken uh that I can remember or they not in Australia anyway like they weren't fucking super massive enema of the state you know like they became right and so I remember the early days of eBay and someone told me oh have you tried looking for records on eBay and I was like oh no I haven't and so <laughs> I gave it a shot <laughs> and uh, I was just looking into the bands that I was into at the time and Blink was one of those bands and I I uh checked it and uh, there was a guy selling one and it was like $20, $20 postage paid so he goes I said oh, what's the shipping on that <laughs> you know 5 bucks right. or something because everything was a lot cheaper back then and oh, yeah. I got it and I had it and I had it for a fucking good 
maybe 10 years. And then one day someone said to me, he goes, oh, did you know Blink had a split with this band when they were just called Blink? And I said, yeah, I've got it. And then I thought, fuck, I haven't seen that in a while. So I went to my records and looked and there it is. It's not there. And I'm like, fucking bullshit. Like, who the fuck fucking took that? Whenever I've had people over, I mean, obviously we've had a lot of parties and bands have stayed at my house and stuff like that. Back, You know, just like, it's what you do in the punk community, but you don't expect someone to fucking go, ooh, I'll take this fucking valuable record and sell it. So Yeah, my wife, uh, she I know she's voiced those concerns over the years because we've had so many bands, touring bands, stay at the house. And a lot of times they'd be sleeping in my room with my records and my memorabilia and everything else. And, uh, dude, I've gone through it so many times. Like, I feel bad sometimes, I'll, you know, but you don't really know people. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, I, and I've... I've had records that I was like, I, I've misplaced, couldn't find, and I, my heart would drop and I would be, you know, ripping, ripping, same thing, ripping through all my records and like, can't find it, can't find it, can't find it. Then you start thinking like, <laughs> but then you find it and you're like, oh, thank God, you know? Yeah. I've, but, you know, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that, man. That's horrible. Yeah, it is. But, you know, I mean, I've I've lived without it now for, what, 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I had no idea. I had no idea it was even like I don't. I don't see money worth in records. Like no. I don't, I've never. Like I said, I don't sell records. I, I same thing with musical gear. I don't have a cash worth on any of it because I usually get it because I want it. Yeah, exactly. I'm the and same. I'm, when I, when I sold that record, I was like, I was very timid. <laughs> I saw one sold for like 495 bucks. <laughs> but yeah, this guy wanted. He was a little upset when he got it because there was a uh, there was a sticker that was a price sticker. And it was stuck to the uh, the actual sleeve. Like fucking hell! Like been, really? Like, it, had been, it had been peeled off, and um, he hit me up, and he was like, "Hey, man!" And I was like, "I go for one. I'm not a record collector. You really wanted it." And I was like, "But two, I go. I sent you pictures, and I said, go back and look in your mess in your your our messages." Yeah. And there it was blatantly right there. I, I took solid, nice, crisp, high res pictures, and uh, so he was all right with it. But he was a little bummed. <laughs> yeah, he had a. He, I guess he had had a few of them the same guy but uh regardless i was like you know what this record sat in my collection for same thing for 20 years and i i don't have a huge you know i was a blink fan i like the blink i, I like all the those earlier blink albums yeah but uh fucking, yeah i, I didn't I have blink, i didn't so. have a big emotional attachment it'd be different if it was one of my weasel records or something you know? exactly <laughs> so yeah i i i don't i think about it, i'm like no now i know it'd be cool to have it but you know i could part with that one Sitting at home, thinking of me and 
wondering if I'm sitting at home thinking about her Or am I just wasting my time? I didn't know that they they became Alien Ant Farm. Oh, really? Is that who that uh, that I did not know because I knew nothing about them and I just didn't, you know, I got it for the yeah. Blink stuff just because I was, you know, it was the early days and thought, ah. Oh. And I always had this uh, this thing like as soon as I discover a band, I immediately try and find out how much I've missed out on already. And I I always get so excited when I get in at the beginning because then I'm like, oh fuck yes, I don't have to go too fucking crazy with with buying right. and searching and whatever. So that's always a good feeling. And that's the way it was with Blink. Blink, they weren't big at that time when I got that record. Like, they were still, you know, making, you know, I mean, I their breakthrough here was um, like uh, M&M's was getting played on late night. And I'm talking really late night, like 2 in the morning on the music video right. programs. You know, no one's watching it unless you're sitting up drunk and whatever, wasted and, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. when you're seeing it. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, Blink. Yeah, you know, I, I watched it and I loved it straight away because I just loved anything that was punk rock. So right, right. it just happened, man. I just fucking managed to fall into that record and then uh, someone took it. So, oh, well. That's horrible. Yeah. My, introdu- my introduction to Blink, it's funny. I um, I had a, a BMX friend out in Boston is into music. And it was, I think it was 90, uh, it's been 96 it was 96. I saw Blink on the Warp Tour in 96. Mm-hmm. And I had just gotten into them. So anyways, I was introduced to Blink-182 and Sludgeworth on the same day. That's wild. He, my, my buddy's like, yeah, losers of the year. He's like, dude, you might dig, I think you dig this. It's got one of the guys from Screeching Weasel. You know, and I didn't know much of the back backstories and stuff then either. So, And then he showed me Blink-182. And he was like, dude, this band sounds just like no effects. I think you dig them. And, uh, the funny thing was, is I couldn't remember the name Blink 182, and I kept searching for I I kept mixing it up with Blank 77, <laughs> and um and, and I like Blank 77 and yeah, they're I, great <laughs> and all that and but I, I didn't get into Blanks until a couple of years later. But yeah, I was confused because I, I I was like Blink 182 Blank 77. I finally got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, Blank 77 is a band that I, I haven't heard the name of in a long time. Like. I, I went to school with this uh, Polish punk, and uh, like he was from Poland. He was an exchange student. He, well, not exchange. Like his family moved to Australia, and he ended up at our school. He didn't speak a lot of English, but he wore a dead Kennedy shirt one day, and immediately we just like, 
who is this guy? We need to know who this is. So, right. you know, and that's basically what happened. We became friends and we started ordering records together. Like we'd say, oh, we'd go through a catalogue, which we had a mail order catalogue called Spiral Objective. And we'd always sit in there and look at it and go, oh, man, this sounds good. This sounds good. And he was really into like, you know, like this band from Poland called Deserter, which is like Polish punk, which is pretty good stuff. And uh, yeah. so, and he was into GBH and all those sorts of bands and exploited and you know all that stuff. Like he just really liked that 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 really raw older punk. And right, uh, right. so he never really latched on to the pop punk of the nineties. Wasn't into it. Just wasn't his thing. Uh, he just stayed pure with his <laughs> with his oi 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 kick a cop in the head type stuff. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember him going, "I'm going to buy this band, Blank Seventy Seven, and it was." Uh, this white cover with this like punk and a skinhead on the front, like what's it called? Pogo, Unite and Pogo. That was it, Unite and Pogo. <laughs> right, right. And I remember we got the, we got the parcel sent in, and we all got our records. And uh, he came he, as soon as I got home, and I said, "Dude, the records have arrived." He came around on lunch break the next day and got his records. And I remember we I, we put it on the stereo, my mum's stereo, and we were just laughing because, like, I. I love. I liked it, but it was it was humorous to see like the record cover and to see. And I was sitting there going, "This is happening now. Like this sounds like it's 1977." You know what I mean? Like, and it <laughs> yeah, was, we uh, we played some shows with them. My my first band. Nice. Yeah. I heard they're fucking amazing hard. live. I actually heard that someone they're actually awesome. Yeah, someone told saw them. A guy from a the drummer from this band called UMI, Australian rock band. Uh, he was in New yep. York City. They played a show in New York City one night, and then he just went out walking, and he walked into a club in New York. It might have even been CBGBs, and Blank 77 were playing. And so he just watched them, and he, he was raving about them to me. I was like, yeah, that's oh. rad.
first band practice I ever had, which was with the Grand Prix when I got together with Eli, who was our guitarist. So I'd never been in a band. So that was the, the first day we tried to cover a um, Blank 77 song. <laughs> nice. So it was that we did what two covers we were trying to do. And that was Party Train from uh, by, by Blank 77. And uh, what was the other one? Strawberry Trees by the Cretans. Oh, nice. I think we tried to do the Porno Shop by Teen Idols as well. <laughs> Rad. <laughs> the Teen Idols are great. I remember uh, the first time I heard them was that More Bounce to the Ounce, that uh, uh, double LP thing, that double CD thing that came yep. out. There was that One Pill song on there. And that One Pill just blew my mind. I just loved the, loved the harmony lines in it. I thought the song was fantastic. And from there, I just went out and bought the records and whatever so I, i'm thinking that that i that might be where i heard them first as well I, I had picked up uh the album when it came you know when it came out and uh, i went to see them at the elvis room in new hampshire it was a big uh, big venue for a long time for years and years but uh it was a big ordeal because i had uh, going to see the teen idols and it was like 10 people there oh my jeff God. useless jeff jeff i uh, jeff palmer yep uh was one of one of them there i hadn't known known him yet I wasn't playing music. This was maybe two months before I started that first band. But, dude, they ripped fucking – it was like a weekday, and it was uh, – you know, like I said, there was like 10 people there. They played the album front to back. Then they played Pills, and they played, I think, Holiday Road maybe. And uh, Monsters uh, – what's that Monsters song? It was another song from a cop. But, yeah, dude, it was amazing. Fucking love them. Wow. I see. I've never seen them, but I, I, did, I did go to the lookouting in 2017, and – uh, Squirt Gun played, and they had the singer of the Teen Idols, um, or one of those singers, I should say, of the Teen Idols. And uh, right. they did a couple of Teen Idols tracks in. I can't even remember which ones they did, but that was a fucking great night, man. Like, I got to see Squirt Gun songs. I think they played a Zoinks tune, maybe, because uh, Zach Damon was the guitar to, player. I wanted to go to that so bad. <laughs> that the, that show was so fucking good, man. Like, I knew that if I didn't go to that, I mean, there's none of those bands are going to come to Australia. The only bands that had been to Australia were uh, the Smugglers, Groovy Ghoulies, and what's the other? There's one other band that... Oh, uh, Panty Division. They're the only lookout bands that ever made it to Australia, besides the Donners, of course, because... But they, right. You know, and uh, they didn't play that lookouting. But, I mean, out of all the bands that played the lookouting, yeah, only the um, Groovy Ghoulies and, and Panty Division and, and Smugglers were the ones that made it out to our country. So to get over there and see, you know, Corrupted Morals and fucking Nuisance and Monsula and... You know, all these crazy fucking bands that I'm just never going to see otherwise. Skirt so fucking played. Like, what the fuck? I took my records along to get signed, and I got a Skirt so record signed by Skirt so. And they were like, look at him and go, like, what the fuck? Like, you come from Australia, you brought your records with you? And I was like, yeah, I am that guy. So I took, like. Dude, that's that's awesome. (laughs) I took Cringer singles along so I could get uh, Kamala to sign them. So, oh my goodness! <laughs> I was like, Dude, I got Squirt Gun record signed by Mass. Uh, I was just like taking shit along, man. Like, cause I got my Tilt record signed because Tilt reformed and played. I got uh, the Avengers record signed by. Uh, like, I mean, you know, it's just they were playing. Why not? Mr. T Experience was signed. I got all that shit signed. Like it was, it was just something I had to do. I, yeah, I'm just that yeah, guy. Make, make- Make the most of the opportunity. Hell, hell yeah, nothing wrong with that. That was a, an amazing four days. It was just like, wow. You know, to see, oh, it was actually five because I went to a club show as well and saw Dr. Frank do a um, uh, an acoustic performance, a solo show, which was fantastic. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. I, 
he's such a talented songwriter too. Fucking. Oh, he's amazing. Talented. He's my he's he's my top three of all time for sure. Yeah, lyrical genius too. So I don't know how he does it. thing i was going to say is uh you said you'd never seen the ramones but have you ever seen a ramon like any of the solo shows by any of the the guys uh we uh the prozacs did a show with barky ramon there you go and how was that and uh, uh it was fun it, it was in a, a a huge venue and there wasn't a lot of people uh i say a lot of people if it was probably 150 people but in a big venue that holds you know 1500 <laughs> oh wow but it was uh yeah it was fun he didn't uh marky didn't really come out i think he basically came out of the came out of his bus got on stage played and got back in the bus oh wow uh his band who was the, the, the that he had playing with him they were cool as shit we all hung out all fucking night so who was but, in the um, band no, when was... you when you play with them like who was uh who are these other band members 
because he's had such you a know, revolving I, lineup. So I honestly, I, I can't remember. I, I don't, I don't remember who they were. I remember that uh, they were for some band, I think, in the Midwest or something. And um, I, I, can't, I honestly don't remember who they were. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. Because I remember he for a while there he had uh, Alex Kane on guitar from uh, that band LSD and. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I remember he was playing guitar for him. He was also in a band in England called Anti Product, and he had, and Claire uh, from Anti Product was the bass player in Marky Ramones, and now she's playing bass in Richie Ramones' band. So, um, right, yeah. So no, was that? we were booked with Richie. We were booked with Richie Ramone last year, and um, the show fell through because uh, Richie got sick. It was, I think, it was like last April. Oh, okay. And uh, so Richie was in a hospital and had to cancel a couple tours. It got rebooked, and it wound up being at a time I couldn't do it. So I was pretty bummed to miss that opportunity. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, you didn't I, uh, get to meet Marky either. So that's a shame. Well, did you meet but him? I did. Uh, I didn't meet him. No. Uh, I did see. I did see him play with the Misfits. Really? You saw that? Yeah. How was that? Yeah. They did. They did a. They did a half. It was rad. It was. <laughs> They, I think they did a half Ramones and half Misfits set. Oh and, wow, um, that was bad. That was badass. That was cool. That was. Uh, it couldn't have been too long after we had played with. Uh, oh, because we did, did uh, a couple shows with the Misfits and. Um, Which version know, of the Misfits? So the Jerry Only Misfits or the Mikhail yeah, Graves? Well, yeah, it, was, it was Jerry Only. So we we played with Michael Graves a couple of years ago, just like a Michael Graves show. And that was cool. That was fun. He was. I thought he was good. Oh, he's got a great voice yeah. for those songs. I think. I think. You know, regardless of his political views, uh, I think the guy is a is a top singer. He really is. He's a great singer. So yeah, you know, dig up uh, dig up her bones is kind of a song. One of my wife's and my songs. We uh, when we had first gotten together, we were started hanging out. We took a road trip. You know, she was into the Misfits, and I again, I wasn't, I didn't have a big Misfits collection or anything. I only had, I had only known the Glenn Danzig material. I just never paid attention after that. And she she played uh you know that that album and Dig Up Our Bones is so amazing. That whole album I thought kicked ass. I'm like, huh, you know, yeah, it's not the same, but dude, this is solid shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy can sing, you know. So say like with the Ramones with the Misfits, I'm not in any um, any high regard in either way, you know. And I'm not as invested in that band as I am, say uh, maybe the Ramones or something. But uh, mm. anyways, yeah, I thought I was going back to the Ramones. I did meet Joey Ramone. <gasps> tell so, tell me everything. Um, oh, it was very. Uh, I. <laughs> it was pretty simple. I was I was roadieing with the queers, right? And um, we did it was a queers Lillington's tour. Did a uh, thirty days, and the last show was at the Continental in New York City. And um, I'm at the merch table, and uh, Dave Swain, who uh, also played in John Cougar concentration camp, mm-hmm. great band, comes running up, comes running up to me. This is the last show of the tour. He's like. JJ fucking uh dude Joey Ramone's coming to the show. Joey Ramone's coming to the show. He's like, I gotta run out to the van and grab a Ramone shirt. He goes, and I want you to hold on to it. And if he comes in, get it signed for me. <laughs> so uh <laughs> sure enough, Joey Ramone showed up. You know, he was friends with Joe, you know, from the Queers. Yeah. And uh so Joey showed up and I believe he had with him Evil from uh the Independence, which I didn't know them at the time, but I, I backtracked and um Actually, I met the Independents, I think, on that tour. But I, I didn't really get to know them yet. Anyhow, Joe Ramone came to the Continental. This was uh, 2000. It was 2000. Oh, wow. Yeah, it would have been, it would have been uh, August of 2000. 
And he showed up. He lives right down the street, I guess. Yeah. And I, I, I don't even remember getting Dave's shirt signed or whatever, if he did, but I grabbed the Queers All-Star shirt from the merch box and had Joey sign it. And then I went to, uh, I asked him if I could take a picture. So I had to go dig out my disposable camera. I had like one picture left on it. And um, I had my arm around jo- Joey, probably like his fucking waist. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some, I gave the camera to some random girl. She took the picture and she developed it a couple weeks later. And she was holding the camera backwards. Oh, my God. So I got a, a you know, a disposable camera selfie of some random chick. But uh, <laughs> oh but I got, his, I got I have his autograph. I actually had just posted it on Instagram a couple of days ago. See, I saw that, but I didn't know whether you were serious I, because I've seen Joey's signature so many times and that didn't look like Joey's signature at all. So I didn't know whether you were just taking the piss because like it was on a queer shirt. <laughs> yeah, you know, what? what, what that's what's that's funny because um, I actually Google searched. I Google searched uh, the other day when I had posted that and I Google searched his signature and um, – I mean, it's his signature. He was, <laughs> he, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, it definitely, not, it, you know, usually people will see it and they thought it was like I have it displayed in my house and it's like Joe Queer's, Joe's signature, you know, but <laughs> no, that was, that was Joey Ramone. He came into the Continental, stood in the back of the club to watch, to watch the Queers. And I mean, I was, I was ripping. I was pretty loose that night. <laughs> I'm not a huge drink. I'm not a huge drinker and all that, but a bunch of my buddies came down from Massachusetts because they brought me home from the tour. And, you know, the, the queers, I, 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 whatever, I just got ripped that night, had a blast, and getting getting that. Yeah, I felt a little bad when I went online the other day and I was looking at that, trying to look for a signature, you know, I just for my own comparison. But I don't know if I, I had it done, you know. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, it means, it, it's what it means to you. Like, you were there, you know it all happened. What anybody else thinks about it doesn't really matter. Because it was the experience that you had, and you got to meet the fucking god of punk rock, and you were lucky to to have done that. And especially because, I mean, did he look he looked healthy at that time? Because I mean, you know, it was two thousand. I, I, I didn't like analyze him or check him out. Which is, it was a wild night. I mean, I was doing merch. You know, we had the queers, the Lillingtons, and the explosion in the house. It was a packed place. You know, like. That's a great bill. He came. He came. The Continental isn't a huge venue, and um, it, it was just you know it was insane. But yeah, he came in, and that's why I it was at the merch table, and I was just like I said, I was I was pretty ripping. It was exciting. <laughs> I had all the buddies there, and you know, I wish I had that picture. I wish the hell that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never got to meet you know Joey, Johnny, Tommy, Dee Dee, you know, or Clem, but I've uh, I've I've been lucky to meet the other three, uh, which is. Which has always been, you know, it's always an experience to meet those guys, just because you know right. they were there. Yeah, I mean, I never got to meet Joey. I always wanted to meet Joey because I just, I'd heard so many good stories about Joey. Like he just seemed like he was the kind of guy who just had a lot of time for fans. Right. So I wish, um, you know, I kind of wish thinking back that it was if it was something that was planned a little bit ahead, like we had like say stopped over Joey's apartment or his house or what is a they lived in an apartment, mm. and uh, you know, like with with Joe and everything because on that tour we did that on a handful of occasions. Like we had a, before one show, we went to a Mexican restaurant with um, Dusty Watson, uh, Dick Dale and agent orange. <laughs> and uh, nice. uh, we also, there was a, there was um, the show in uh what the hell venue was it? What city? San Francisco, I believe. And uh, we had lunch with metal Mike. 
Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a trip. That guy. And that was that was that was that was that was in the venue, in the in the green room, and um, it was just like I think it was just me, Joe, Mike, and maybe I don't know if like Lurch or something was there, but uh, so that you know thinking back, like that would have been really badass if we actually like you know hooked up for lunch or something with Joey. That would have been wild, but, you man. Know, you know, so well, you know how it was. It wasn't like back in the day, too. Like, I don't have many photos of so, of so many amazing experiences because yeah. I wasn't a photographer and I didn't carry around a camera. Now we all have them on our phone, so every little thing that happens, you're you're able to document it. Yeah. Which has, a, you know, both good and bad, you know, <laughs> Uh, things to it as well but uh i mean i i carried a camera with me everywhere i went when i was younger because i'd always go see bands and i've so i've been i just got thousands of photos of bands that i've seen over the years i mean they probably mean nothing to most people because a lot of them are local bands and stuff like that but i just used to photograph these bands just because i just believed in documentation it was just like wow i just want to take photos of these bands just because they're rad bands you know i really like these bands so i was going through them and i've uh, i've got a bunch of photos of when no use for a name played in adelaide at this really small venue called the crown and anchor and uh, i've been i've been meaning to get them online because i want to show people that like oh look you know because people like to see you know, the memories of Tony Sly and stuff. So, yeah, it's it's just cool to see that I've still got all this stuff. So That's rad. My, uh, my guitarist is a huge, huge No Use for a Name fan. They, they were good that yeah. day, man. I remember the one song that really just stood out to me at that. I mean, they were great. The whole show was great. But I just remember they played Soulmate. And immediately after that oh, was yeah. done, I was like, that is the fucking best song in that whole show. You never wanna stay 
you think if you drink too much Then you will lose it You'll drink insecurity away The one companion That's stuck by all sides Since you were born The little voice inside your head Annoying and confusing That somehow tells you what to do Socially you've lost your mind And basically Dude, I mean, that album was huge to me, and, I, and I'd gotten into that, I think, right around, right, I was probably into that more before I was hardcore into Screeching Weasel and stuff, but I'm actually waiting on the, the reissue, the 25-year anniversary reissue of that album. Uh, I wonder what they've done different to it, because like, if it's been remastered, or if they've done anything different, or if it's just a different colored vinyl, because I did read that they were they were releasing that as some sort of anniversary edition, but I didn't know if there was anything extra that you were getting with it, like demos or something, yeah. which I always believe. I think I know, I'm pretty sure it was remastered. That's I don't cool. have it on vinyl. I just had it on CD. That's a great record. So I, so I pre-ordered it, but um, yeah, that album's, that's, that was, I was telling my buddy Jed, cause again, he's, he's hugely influenced by them and you can hear it in his music, uh, his band, no intention. And uh, yeah, that, that was the only album. I, I, I had that in the daily grind, and that's all I had for no use for a name up until a few years ago when I started picking away at their the rest of the catalog. Did you ever hear that uh, that cover covers record that was done for the memory of Tony Sive, all those bands on Fat and like other? I had labels? I had heard. Yeah, the fucking version of Soulmate on that by Strung Out is insane. It's so good because like these guys are like they play like they're in a metal band. You know what I mean? Like Strung Out. I mean, they're metalheads. Right. They're metalheads that play punk, you know. Yep. And uh, I've I've interviewed uh, the guitarist, and I asked him, you know, about you know music, and straight away he was into shredding music. He's into Metallica. He's into thrash metal, and so it makes sense that they play the, the you know the way that they play. And he was. T- I remember he told me this story that when he joined No Use for a Name, he wanted to play like some you know fucking shred guitar, and they said, no, no, you got to play a Les Paul. And he goes, I don't want to play this fucking shit. You guys, I want to fucking. Uh, pl- I got to play a shredder, man. I play fast. And they're like, no, 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 that's not cool. You have to play a Les Paul. So for a while, I think he said he had to play a Les Paul for, and then he just said, "Fuck you guys, I'm playing the fucking shred guitars." <laughs> <laughs> so, that's but funny. it makes sense. So when you listen, if you listen to those, especially those last few albums, those riffs are metal riffs. They're playing like fucking total thrash metal band, but they're playing you know melodic punk rock. But it is right. obvious that their their influences are you know thrash metal is eighties thrash. You could, it's just the way that they play. You just listen to those riffs, and if they didn't have the melodic vocals and they had the fucking like vocals over the top, it would probably sound right. like thrash metal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. You know, it's it's uh, I dropped out of like the, the the fat record side of the world after, after like a lot of those bands. I um I have like their their first couple records or something, and. It, it was probably like 97, 98. I, I was just like, 
engrossed in Lookout. I was engrossed in Mutant Pop. And um, some bands like Lagwagon, I, was, I loved Lagwagon a ton. And I wound up selling my CDs and stuff. I, I kept, like, trashed, and I got rid of everything else. And um, I never went back to them until Hang came out. And I fucking, that record blew me away. And I, and I love that, again, like, a lot more of that metal side. You know, in Lagwagon, yeah. again, they always have the metal guitars. I did the same. I had I had the first three. All the, well, I had the albums up until, I think it was called Hoss, the one with the, guy, the cowboy guy on the front. Uh, yeah. I had the albums up to that, and then I just... It got to the point where it was just like, I remember five years after those records, I go, I'm not even listening to these. And someone just said, I'll buy them off you. And so I just said, all right, fine. And I sold them to him. And uh, that's, I mean, I'm not really big on selling records either, but just, I just, was, I was at a time where I was, you know, I was studying, so I didn't have any money. And if someone offered me money for a record that I just wasn't listening to, I just sold it. <laughs> and now yeah. I look back and I think like, fuck, I should have kept all that shit, but. I, yeah. I regret it. I, I, I got rid of... Look, at I was big on CDs, so I, I, I collected the vinyl of my, my top-tier bands and, like, some of my favorite records, but back then I was buying CDs because I was in my car all the time, <laughs> driving shows, touring, and going to BMX events. Yeah, you know? sounds like a good and, life, uh, man. <laughs> but, the uh, yeah, I did the same thing, and I, I, I did. I got rid of three or 400 CDs, and I've gone back and I've bought so many of them over i literally just ordered i just got duh in the mail a couple <laughs> weeks ago you nice. know because i'm like and uh, you know and i I, reg- I regretted it but you know going to that metal side of that stuff i, I like i like hearing that and um it's refreshing uh, one of the bands that really kicked me in the ass that i was into in the 90s and kind of dropped off was big wig oh yeah yeah i remember big and wig. Uh, we did a we did a couple shows with Big Wig uh, around 2006, 2007, and uh, I wound up getting their album Reclamation. Tom and I traded traded records for you know Prozac's records, and uh, dude, I, that album just it was just uh, fucking blew me away. It was short, it was fucking fast, it, it was like the guitars were insane, and um, I don't know, it's a huge, that's a very influential, but um, I can't play any of that shit. <laughs> Either but, can uh, I. <laughs> dude, I, I struggle playing fucking the leads you hear on Prozac's records, if I'm even playing them. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, I like that. I, I like the metal stuff. I didn't grow up on the heavy metal. I was more in the hair metal. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, man. So was I. I grew up, well, yeah. I grew up in everything, really. Uh, like, you know, it, it all just, I was, I just got lucky, I guess. My, my parents were really into rock music, and so they would play the Beatles, the Stones, ACDC, whatever. And then when the hair metal stuff came along, I was already into... Uh, like that sort, you know, ACDC, and so right. it was just like an extension of that. And uh, all these bands, Bon Jovi, Poison, Warrant, Skid Row, I mean, that's too fuck. Those first few Skid Row albums are fucking phenomenal. I don't give a shit what anyone yeah. says. They're fantastic. Dude, I, yeah, that's what my mom had. A, you know, my I didn't come from a family of music. And um, so, but my mom had cassettes. So I definitely Motley Crue was an early one. So yeah, I grabbed my mom's Motley Crue tapes and same thing, Poison and Def Leppard and got into, I eventually I got into Skid Row and Warrant. First concert I ever actually asked to go to was uh, Guns N' Roses in 87. Oh, nice. And, uh, so that was my first, uh, the first cassette I physically owned was Appetite. And I had come home from school one day, it was seventh or eighth grade, and my mom had a 
a bag in her hand from big uh, Kmart or something. And she just had a bag in one hand and five bucks in the other. And she said, um, got to make a choice. What's in the bag or the $5. And if you don't, if you take the $5, I'm keeping what's in the bag. I took, I took the bag and it was appetite for destruction. Nice. Needless to say, I don't think my mom would have kept it after she heard it. (laughs) Guns and Roses was a little bit of a little bigger, different level than uh, the other stuff. But, um, yeah, that's, that was my, my first cassette. And I think I went to, uh, I had my mom buy, bring me to Kmart again, and I bought Run DMC, Tougher Than Leather, nice. and uh, Aer- Aerosmith's Greatest Hits. Awesome. So, so those are like my first like three cassette tapes. <laughs> and they're all great, all of them. Oh, like, hell yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I think that uh, my first, I didn't even know if I had a first cassette, because when we grew up in the house, it was kind of like my parents had vinyl, and that was just the medium that was around. So... Right. We it was just an extension of that. Like I, you know, my, my first record ever. I can't pinpoint it exactly, but it was either Under the Blade by Twisted Sister or Orgasmatron by Motorhead. They're they're the nice. they were the records that I bought with my own money. So right. you know, not ones that Mum bought for me or something like that. So, but I remember the first vinyl record I ever had that was actually mine was uh, I was at a school dance and I won a copy of Would I Lie to You by Eurythmics. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> On seven-inch vinyl. I gave it to my mum because <laughs> so, I knew my, she loved it. My, my, yeah, my mom has a record collection, you know, it's and I, I never really – she played records. But I never really, um, you know, I never like put records on and spun on myself. But the one record that I remember the most was the Christmas uh, – the Beach Boys Christmas album. My baby, she told me she don't want to hold me and kiss my lips anymore. She's gonna leave me and she don't believe me that I'll be true now. Well, if she don't love me, she's not thinking of me. But why'd she do it this time of year? She knows that I'll miss her and I want to kiss her. It just i 
the projects from what I from the three releases that I have. Uh, did you guys ever record a Ramones cover? No, I, but I, I I did a Ramones cover a couple of years ago. But uh, no, the Prozacs have never done a Ramones cover recorded. The one that you said you said you've done one yourself was was that like uh, for solo stuff or for a different band or something? Oh, I just did it solo. I basically, I mean, it might as well have been a Prozacs. I my I just had a a friend of mine did uh did drums, guitars, bass. He recorded that stuff and I recorded guitars and vocals. For me, it's weird. Like I I've had so many change ups with the Prozacs mm-hmm. that I I can't even to me it's any song I write is a Prozac song. Basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cuz I was like cuz the lineup could have been at any point in time. But so at this point it's just I I, I did it with with somebody else and it wasn't the Prozacs at the time, you know? Yeah. But uh, anyways, yeah, I did a She's a Sensation.
And that was song. for an Out Loud Records Johnny Ramone birthday compilation. Oh, nice. Pretty yeah, cool. it, was a, it was a digital release, and I he does a you know short run CD you can order on CD. Yeah, with the Prozacs, like we we all, over the years just haven't really played a lot of covers, so I've never really been huge on the covers. Over the last few years, I've recorded a lot of covers. Yeah, but you know, in our live sets, like I've never been one to like jam on a bunch of songs. I, I always have a song to write, so I'm always just kind of more into into writing. Yeah. What about if uh, if Clearview ring you up tomorrow and say I'm getting the label back going and I want you guys to cover a Ramones album? Which one would you do? Well, if, even if uh, of the ones that haven't been done, oh, you can. Well, there's what? Well, how many is left? There's uh, Subterranean Jungle, Halfway to Sanity, Brain Drain, Mono Bizarro, Acid Eaters, and uh, Adios Amigos. Hey, to be honest, I would go for Adios Amigos. Yeah, it's, it's fucking. That's a great record. I'd like to. I mean, I was like playing along to that the other day on, on guitar, and I cannot believe how technical some of those songs are. They're not easy. So they sound easy, yeah. but they're fucking not. I mean, that song. Um, and I, one of the things that really blows my mind is how how good Joey's voice sounds on songs like "Life's a Gas" and stuff like that. It's like holy shit, that guy yeah. really could fucking sing, man. Like he's such a good voice. Oh, he's amazing. If I had to choose one, though, I would I would do Pleasant Dreams if I could choose from the whole lot. Yeah, that's a that is a good record. It's a really good record. Beanie Termites did a pretty good version of that, I will say. Yeah, yeah, uh, Pat, yeah, they did. I am. Um, that's my favorite production too on a Ramones record. I don't know so much about that that record. I did a whole podcast on on that record. My my buddy Jed does a pod podcast or uh, he does a uh, show called Talking Records. Mm-hmm. Yep, and um, I know of that show. We, yeah, yeah. So he's my guitarist right now. Oh, okay. With the Prozacs. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's cool that like you know we we have our I'm more on that Ramones side of the world the the Weasel and the Queers and the Lookout. He's more from the the Fat Records side of the world, and um, it's cool. His his band is my favorite band from my area. Nice. And it had has they're called No Intention. Cool. But um, yeah, dude. Uh, freaking Ramones. So you're gonna, you're gonna call up Clearview and get them going? <laughs> I'd like to. No, <laughs> I think that. I mean, to me, the series seemed like a really dumb idea, and it's still a dumb idea. But I fucking love it because I buy them all. Right. Uh, but it's still a dumb idea. Like it, it's like the, those records are done as good as they're ever gonna get done. There is no way those records right. are ever gonna be improved. And uh, but I do think it's funny that when I spoke to Rookie Rochelle. We tried to work out what the worst fucking Ramones song is, like the worst one, even though they're all good, but what is the worst Ramones song? And we, we were thinking about it, and we were um and ahhing, going back and forth, back and forth, and we came to Hair of the Dog of Animal Boy as being the worst Ramones song. And he ended up fucking having to record it for that fucking covers record they did. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. They did a great job. They did. I mean, they railed through it. You know, it's oh, it's a great it's a great covers record. I, I really I, I I think it's awesome. So it's a hard yeah. record to do as well. It's not an easy record. You know, they've got yeah, all those you, organs on there and stuff. And you right. know, like it's like you know a song like you, "She Belongs to Me" would be a hard song for anyone to do because it's totally fucking remote. Like it's Joey's voice that makes that song what it is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the the only band that I've ever seriously talked about recording a cover album of is uh the toy dolls oh wow and um i, I the the i had another project called stiletto bomb That's yeah with my i know, wife I know stiletto I bomb i've got your single and, uh, cool <laughs> <laughs> and uh 
Yeah, so uh, the guys that played in Stiletto Bomb, guitar and bass, uh, I had talked with them over the years off and on. We've talked about doing, because uh, they're big Toy Doll fans. So, yeah, uh, doing a Toy Dolls tribute. With those guys, those guys have the chops. <laughs> they could fucking pull it off. I probably wouldn't even strap on a guitar. <laughs> but uh, Jeff, Jeff and Stiletto Bomb, yeah, he could... That guy could fucking play anything. How did I find out about Stiletto Bomb? I think you may. It must have been you must have posted, uh, posted it on uh, on your Facebook or something like that, and said, "Hey, this single is free or whatever. We just recorded this. Download it here or something." But uh, uh. I have. It's one. Let me. I'll, I'll tell you which song it is that I've got. It's called "Won't Let Go." <laughs>
that's actually um yeah that was on the second ep right okay that's the one that's the only song i have of stiletto bomb uh yeah, that's so funny because that song totally doesn't represent the band of what we actually <laughs> well i mean it's the it's the band that's a whole nother story uh the most the, the first ep is a rager it's just like that song won't let go funny story is um i'm currently working on a solo album a follow-up and that's the title of the album is won't let go <laughs> and uh that song i intended to be like on a, on a pop solo thing i went through a, a period of years where i didn't know what i was doing i was just there's a lot of going on and i was trying to draw myself away from being the prozacs and all the material i had these other projects and it all kind of intertwined you know what i mean like Mm-hmm. Some songs I intended to be here, they wound up there, and Won't Let Go is one of those songs. But I'm talking about recording another version of it to put on my solo album, and that is the title of the solo album. And uh, that song was written, I wrote that for Dan Vapid. Oh, really? Yeah, so if I uh, had some conversations with him online, which was really cool, because he's one of my biggest inspirations of all time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, 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 the song idea sprung from the conversations we were having. And it was, you know, I think a lot of guys have gone through that, especially, you know, in bands that were maybe a lot bigger back in the day or when times were different and you're, you're getting older and you feel isolated and you're, you don't think anyone cares about what you're doing. So it kind of kills your, like kill your confidence and motivation. Mm. And um, I was having those kind of conversation or conversation with Dan and it sprouted the idea to write a song. And that's the song I wrote. So um, if you were to listen to it, Throughout the song, I'm name dropping uh, several of Danny's Dan songs from <laughs> Sludgeworth. Sludgeworth, I got, I got Sludgeworth, Riverdale's, Methadones are all in there. Well, the so, yeah, cover art kind look- of represents that as well. Like you made some cover art for it, and it's got like uh, oh, all the records right. all over the floor and stuff, or whatever. Those are all Dan Vapid's records. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. So yeah, if you listen to listen to the the lyrics, you know, like Two Feet on the Ground from uh, Sludgeworth. Yep. That was that's like in the opening lines. I did not uh, from pick up rip- on that at all. I can't believe I'm only just knowing this now. Did not pick up yeah, on it. That's great. The open, I'm trying to remember. You know how it is when you're trying to remember lyrics when you're not singing a song. Yeah. But the the opening line is from the Riverdale stomp, two feet on the ground. That's the opening line of the song. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. I love it when bands do that. I I shout out to bands all the time in our songs as well. Like. It's, I think it's just kind of cool just to, you know, like it just shows your connection to that music. Like I, I just posted a song today on Instagram and I, I name dropped Alicia Trout, you know, from uh, uh, River City Tan Lines and Lost Sounds and stuff. Like, and yeah. uh, I just, the story of, this, of all the songs that I, that I write, they're always stories. There's always stories attached to them of where, they, where the song came from. And when I'm speaking those lines, I... Uh, I was actually listening to Alicia Trout at the time. And uh, oh, nice. so I was like, ah, oh, well, that just happens to rhyme now with, with something. And people are probably like, who the fuck is Alicia Trout? But to me, I know who Alicia Trout is, so that's all that matters. I was just listening to her. Maybe now that exactly. you know who she is, go out and buy her records. Yeah. You know, uh, so you've heard our McCracken's cover that we did Colorado Van Crash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Oh, I inserted the ba- the band members' names. Mm-hmm. And uh, the part with the roadie hanging out the door, there's a saw the line of the roadie hanging out the door. I said the name Chris Blair, and Chris is a kid from a guy from Ohio 
mega Prozac's fan, mega, mega McCracken's fan. And uh, I took that opportunity to put his name in the song because I know he was such a such a huge, huge fan and he was a, became a cool friend. So I, in that McCracken's cover, I say Chris Blair hanging out the door. That's right. And uh, <laughs> again, no, who, who, who the hell's Chris Blair if you can even make out what I'm saying? <laughs> I know and I know what it means. Yep. Krakens are a band that like I discovered purely because I bought their CD purely because it was on Shredder Records, and right. I didn't know what they sounded like. But I, I found the CD of the first album, What Came First, in the uh, in the used punk store where we buy, buy buy our used records and whatever. And there it was. It was sitting there. What came first? I picked it up and I thought, oh, this looks weird. And I turned it over and it said Shredder Records. And I was like, hang on, I've got a Jawbreaker thing on shredder records uh so this must be good so i just bought it like in the hope that it was going to be good and i loved it i fell in love with it straight away i was like this is awesome this is a really really good song Uh, these songs are really really good there's a song in there called uh i think it might even be the first one the cover uh bitter green is it bitter green or something anyway that song's really good (laughs) i just remember that song blew my mind straight away i was like that's it i'm hooked on this band and that's I just became a diehard McCracken's fan after that, and just ended up trying to find their records wherever I go. And I, I'm like four away from completing the entire discography. So oh no shit, yeah. I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how far. I don't have everything on on the LPs, but I got a pretty wealthy uh, seven inch collection, and then the CDs and stuff. But I'm I'm definitely missing. <laughs> Missing a couple. Yeah, the, the split uh, with the white trash debutantes. That's the one that I don't have, and I don't have that. 
one of the what's the other seven inch? I can't remember what the other seven inches, but yeah, there's there's maybe one. The white trash debutante split is one. There's a I think the very last seven inch that they did, which is weird because I thought the lathe cut one was the or the acetate or whatever the fuck it was. I've got that. Right. I've got I've got a limited record of them that there's only they were only given to bandmates and uh, I go to punk rock bowling with AC McCracken every year and right. uh, so he ended up going I oh, here's I bought some records off him McCracken's records that I didn't have and he said I've given you this as well and he goes now these were only given to band members but we've got one extra I was like oh shit thank you what is it it's uh, the last seven inch that was released but. I think the seven inch was pressed and it was supposed to be on 45 or 33, one of the other, and it's the other way around. So it was actually pressed on 45 instead of 33 or 33 instead of 45 or something. And uh, so it's, and I think the songs were only really, no, no, that is, it's that one with the, the seven inch that was released with the t-shirt. You remember that when they did that? Yeah. Actually, Bill had given me that song back in 2013. Yeah. Buffalo Airways. Yeah. So, and, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that. But And I think the 50 copies one, wasn't that, was that a lathe cut 7-inch that was done? Yes. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah, so the ones that were done for the band were not lathe cut. I think they were properly pressed on vinyl. Oh, no shit. Like clear vinyl or something. And I've got one. He gave me one. And I was just like, but it, it's it's there with the other ones. So I've got a lathe cut one and the band special band edition so that's so badass yeah it's it's a really cool thing to have because uh, i love that band a lot and i just thought it was nice that he just offered to give it to me you know of all people and it's like oh god just because we go to Dude, yeah. together. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when i started talking to bill about we were talking about doing the um the doubtfire stuff he had mailed me a couple packages and um, i mean i already had a pretty solid <laughs> i had a pretty good mccracken collection already that picked up so much in the '90s, but uh, yeah, yeah, he, uh, he filled me out with a couple. Uh, do you have Todd's single that he went under his name? No, I don't have that one. There's, yeah, there's a seven-inch. Again, I'll, I'll see. I'll snap you a picture. Yeah, please. But, I'd uh, love to see it. I mean, I've got the Bill McCracken album, uh, which I think is awesome. The I'm the Eggman. That's a great record. It's uh, that's an awesome record. Yeah, it's uh, uh, <laughs> one of my favorites. Yeah.
I think the first song I actually heard of the McCrackens that I can remember was uh, Misfits in Paradise. Oh, nice. <laughs> I think it was on a, a compilation, uh, Interbang Records, Back Asswords. Wow. I believe that's the, the comp it was on. And it was that, tons of, I mean, the Connie Dungs and Boris the Sprinkler and I think like Showcase Showdown. And it was a fucking, it was an awesome comp. And I had lost it. That's why I lost that one. And uh, Dave, nobody, the dude who does merch for um, Mask Intruder, I had put something online many many years ago and he was like oh i got that and he burned me a copy so i still have the case i just lost the cd but anyways i missed it in paradise and then i picked up the mickey and mallory split and um or split the mickey the, you know the mickey and mallory the 10 inch the te- yeah I, I got it on cd but dude that fucking record just yeah. blew me away that's a fucking and, um, killer that's a killer record and then i think uh, the next two i got was in on the yoke and back from the crack and uh just built on it from there See, that stuff was really hard to find here. Like, the Shredder stuff was easy because Shredder was getting distributed here through Spiral Objective, but uh, the, all the stuff that's on the really small labels, nah, not easy to find. So all that shit I've found, uh, pretty much every McCracken's record besides I'm the Eggman and uh, the first CD, um, I've pretty much bought on my trips overseas because I found them right. there. I haven't found, I've never found anything here. I've got, surprisingly, I've got two copies of the... Prozac's and McCracken split because I bought a second one not knowing that I already had it. <laughs> I got a whole bunch of those. <laughs> you ever need any more? Let me know. <laughs> I found a I found a, a second copy of the split with the Bombassets as well. Like I'm like, well, why do oh, I have nice. two copies of all these records? Because I just forget that I've I've already got it. Yeah, I had two copies of the MXPX split. Uh, I, yep. I think I sold, sold one of them. Dude, Cheapskate Records, he uh, he put out Exit. And, like, I was tight with Cheapskate Records. We were kind of his band, the Prozacs. And I'm really good friends with Jason, who ran Cheapskate to this day. But, uh, yeah, he he put out the McCracken's Exit album. Out of, like, he never told me. I never knew about it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, one day, like, Cheapskate Records putting out a new McCracken's record. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and that record blew me away. I love that album. It's so good, so good. Yeah, they're a great the Japanese, band. the Japanese version that had um some extra tunes on it. But uh, that's that's what sprouted us doing a split together. That was like the catalyst for me being able to talk to Bill and be you know got a hold of Bill. Hey, dude, super cool to be on a label with you. I, I'm in love with your band. And uh, then we talked with Cheapskate. Like, why don't we? Do a split. So we did. And then they to cover each other's songs. Holy shit, dude. I, I fucking pissed myself to hear the McCrackens do one of my songs, you know? Ah, uh, that's like a dream. Yeah. <laughs> when you hear a band do, I mean, do a song you've written, cover it. Uh, I, yeah. I, it's only ever happened to me once. But the version that the band covered of the song, when we started playing the song live again, we did it their version because we liked their version more. So we we added in the things that they added into the song that I'd written. They added in their own little licks and shit. And so we started doing the same thing. It's like, man, you guys yeah. really gave life to one of my songs and made it sound a little bit different. And I just like your version, so I'm going to do that instead now. So. I um, when I heard that when I heard Bill's the McCracken's version, I was the same way. I was like, shit, this is fucking better than ours. It's really fucking good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for me that was like 30 lineups ago. But um, I'm actually Sonic Diffuser's Sonic Diffuser, uh, the, my drummer. He's the one who drummed on the first Prozac's album back in 2002. So he drummed on Double Feature. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was amazing. To be honest, like between that and uh, doing the Doubtfire record with Bill, 
he's influenced me so much more with uh with uh, with what I've written since and what I've recorded. Um, mostly in the guitars and whatnot, all the all the underlying melodies and everything. Yeah, he's good and, at um, that. He's definitely good at that. And, like, and vocally too, dude. Yeah, when we did the Doubtfire record, like. Dude, it was like a day and a half I did vocals, and it was strictly there was going to be no no auto tune, no tricks. Like here, yeah, we're going to do it till we get it right. <laughs> and uh, you know, we did all my lead vocals, and then it's like, all right, we're going to do it again. And uh, you know, layering harmonies on top, underneath, fucking sideways, inside out, every fucking place you could do it. But uh, it pushed my limits and um, my range in both directions, and uh, it was really cool. Actually, the Michael Monroe cover that he sang, he had me do these like monotone harmonies under what he, under him, mm-hmm. and it was just the strangest. It was the strangest thing to me because I'd never really done something like that, and I uh, was singing whole lines like in a very like you know a lower register, which is hard for me to begin with. And then it was monotoned, and uh, you know, I struggled with it, but we got it. <laughs> it sounded awesome. Community sleeps, no one needs, no one leaves. They like to disappear for a while. Licking the tires and hiding the virus. We believe everything is fine. Maybe they brought the receivers. She wasn't lying, she just didn't believe us. So much wrong that we broke up and we drifted away In the sky where society denies we were alright Jack just put the calendar back to the New Year's Eve When we fit and believe in the lies we delivered With a drink and a wink and a smile When we were super bound super fly With the papers released somebody called the freeze Was someone else called the CIA Until the cops told the car away Oh, how did they stop all the sundry From flying into a frenzy Well, it is in our box yet one of the best songs on that record because I love Ginger Wildheart's songwriting anyway like I think the guy that guy is a fucking prolific genius uh, he yeah. just 
constantly churns out a great song after great song. His use of harmonies is amazing. Dude's just gifted. You know, some people just are, you know, and he's one of them. And I don't think that, I think that uh, in many years from now, people are going to go, holy fuck, this band is amazing. And they're going to go back through the Wild Hearts career and they're going to realize just how good those records are because they're not getting their dues even today. I mean, they're big in Japan and they're big in, uh, in England, but, you know, the rest of the world is kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, like they, they never had a right. big hit here. They toured here and uh, we brought them out. And they did two shows, and people were just kind of like, eh. we invited every fucking press agent to come and see them, and only like two turned up. We're like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Like, no shit. You're gonna see the fucking greatest fucking rock band of the last twenty years, you know? So, but uh, yeah, it's. But I was stoked when I listened to the Doubtfire album, and I heard that song, and I was like, are you guys for real? Like, it's. For a band doing yeah. pop punk, right, it, yeah. it, was, it, it was interesting to hear you do Michael Monroe, which that song is not pop punk at all, but you turned it into a pop punk anthem. Even though it's not really yeah. hugely different, it's just that chorus, I guess it's, a, it's hearing Bill sing that chorus, you yeah. know, like, yeah, those harmonies and stuff. I don't know. It's, it's a fucking great That's, song. Dude, that was all Bill. Like, I played rhythm guitar and did backing vocals on it. And like the rest was all Bill, and then that, that's where I, that's where I learned about. I mean, I've heard of Hanoi Rocks and stuff, but I, I never listened to them. It's just unfamiliar, you know. Yeah. But uh, that's where you know Bill Bill gave me some Michael Monroe records digital, so that's when I started getting some history on that a little bit. But yeah, that was all Bill, man. I, <laughs> that one was him. Yeah. Well, it was, it was totally blew my mind to hear. I was not expecting that because when I got the CD, like he sent me the CD in the mail and. I was all excited about it, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I just chucked it on and just let it go. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm making fucking lunch or something, and all of a sudden I hear Super Powered Superfly come on, and I'm just like, are they fucking for real? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> this was, I did it not expect. <laughs> it was a ton of fun. It is. It's a kick-ass song. I, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Fun with it. That, that whole record was amazing. I mean, dude, I sat in the studio for fucking like seven days with, one of my favorite musicians and uh it was surreal but it was just hanging out you know what i mean yeah. and uh, we had a lot you know we did a lot of prep work and uh you know getting everything written by the time i went to vancouver you know it was things were well underway but it was just amazing he's such a, a wealth of uh wealth of musical knowledge and um amazing amazing musician super super cool guy so down to earth and and just mega fucking talented Yep. So doing that record was like, it's a high point in my music life, for sure. And that record's, I mean, one of my favorite things ever.
I keep pushing to play those songs, and um, I mess around with them. And I'm hoping at one point I'm going to have, you know, enough time with the band, one of the bands, and be like, all right, let's learn like five or six of these songs and play them, you know? Yeah, well, I it, mean, they, it's, it's a it's a great record. I was wish someone would fucking release a vinyl version of it. Like, I think it's it needs to be released on vinyl because it's just such a good record. Like, I, I want more people to hear it, you know? And I think if it was on record, more people would because people get, you know, there's vinyl boom and stuff and there's just people who are just obsessed with collecting records. So, you know, like when people buy fucking three of the same record but just because the vinyl's different color. Like, people go, right. go all out now. So vinyls have been, come back in a big way. No, it definitely, it definitely is. And, uh, I know that was a huge push. It was, to be honest, you know, like, uh, well, Bill and I, we've had different, different experiences with our, you know, his bands were uh, much bigger than my bands. <laughs> and uh, so he's had uh, different experiences and stuff. And I, it was, I think there was a, it's kind of let down just trying to shop it around because we weren't getting any bites on it. And uh, I, I made the push to at least get it out. I'm like, you know, I, we're going to get it out one way or another. But um, I know that it was bummed not to have it on vinyl. And at this point, I mean, I, if I could put it together and get it put on vinyl, I would I would love to do that. So who knows? Yeah, it'd be nice to see uh, to see it because the artwork's great as well. Like the, the, the cover art is really good. It's really striking. You know, you, you see that in a shop on the, you know, on a big 12-inch record you're gonna look at it and go fuck this looks cool you know what's oh, this yeah, dude. Like? oh Leo o'brien from the evil o'brien's in germany mm-hmm. he did that art yeah he's, uh, he's done a bunch of bunch of mccracken's art he's done a bunch of prozac's art and a bunch of other bands he's yeah, amazing yeah he is and, he's uh, a I love great this. artist i feel bad because he did the last prozac's uh he did the exist album by the, Pro, the prozac's album and um, I'm planning to put that on vinyl. But, uh, yeah, well, same thing. I want to see that artwork he did on a nice 12-inch. Yeah. Like, that's the beauty of, like, records as well is the is the, the artwork. So, you know, like, when you've got records that have great artwork and you get them on 12-inch vinyl, it's so much more appealing to me. And that's why, you know, holding a record and having a physical product is always going to win over anything else to me. Um, I mean, I understand the convenience of cds and digital i totally understand the convenience because that's what they are they're, they're made for convenience uh, right you know like that's that's their selling point is the convenience of it but there's just something about holding that record that in looking at the the giant big pictures of artwork or whatever you know that comes with it and so when you've got a great record cover like the doubtfire cover then it just gonna, it's just going to stand out to you and you're just going to look at it and go wow that is that's a, I've got to hear this record now. You know, like it's just going to jump out at you when you're flicking through records. You're going to pick it up and go, what's this? You know? Yeah, part of the experience. Yeah. For sure. Like it's like, you know, I think that uh, the cover art, you know, on a on a vinyl record should be just as good as what the music is. Oh, you know? naturally. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I agree. So, I mean, I'm all about that. I mean, digital doesn't matter what you do for your artwork. You can just have your name on there and that's it you know, if you want, but because it's digital, I mean, it's it's only going to be seen when you're flicking through your iPod or your iPhone or whatever, but your records, man, it's a whole new world. So when I bought American Psycho by Misfits on vinyl, and just looking at that, that Frank cover by uh, Basil Gogos or whatever, I think that's his name, uh, that artwork is just so good. And to see it, you know, on 12 inch, it just looks so nice, you know. Luckily, the CD comes with a poster of it. <laughs> it does, it does. But then you got all the folds. That's how picky I am, damn it. I'm picky. <laughs> I hear you. You know, I felt bad because, like, when it comes to mailing out 
posters and stuff, Prozac's posters and whatnot, my bands, I always fold them. And, and uh, cause I'm usually shipping them out sometimes with a CD. So I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel bad about it. But then I'm like, you know what? Every fucking poster we got back in the day was folded. Yep. All the labels. I mean, granted, they were done, you know, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I hear you, though. It's nice to have a nice, crisp, clean, flat poster. <laughs> up i do there's two more questions i'm going to ask you uh to get back yeah. to the ramon stuff but i think we already answered one of them because i was going to say do you, you know ask you if you have any strange or out of the ordinary kind of weird pieces of ramon's memorabilia but i think joey ramon signing a queer shirt is probably the weirdest and most strangest piece of ramon's memorabilia <laughs> that, that, I, <laughs> that i can think of unless you've got something that's even weirder yeah i don't really yeah i don't really have anything uh anything else i mean i have you know i other than your standard type of stuff. Yeah. Well, then the the last one that I, uh, last question I did want to ask you is, I mean, because I already know what your favorite album uh, album is, which is Pleasant Dreams, from the sounds of it. it. Has there been any bands that have done Ramones covers that you've actually been like, holy shit, that's blown me away? Nah. Yeah, it's I, pretty hard. You know, <laughs> when, it, when it comes when it comes down to the, like the, the Ramones cover albums, I, the Vindictas is my all time favorite of those. Oh, that's so good. So, that is such a good. It, yeah. I know people are back and forth. A lot of people want to hear hear the Ramones done more like the Ramones, but you know what? Like you said earlier, no one's going to do the albums better than they did it. So to have a band like the the Vindictives and and Boris the Sprinkler, you know those two albums, <laughs> they 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 made them their own. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Boris did totally make that a fucking Boris album by having a fucking two-minute-long diatribe at the beginning of the song, <laughs> the first oh, yeah. song oh, yeah. of uh, 
You know, when he's like talking about why they chose that record, which fucking cracks me up so much. You know, it's funny. He, uh, he, Rev Norb did a review of a Prozac seven inch in, uh, I think it was in Razor Cake magazine. And he, he poked fun at the fact that one of the songs was like, uh, very simple and just, it was like two words in the song. And, uh, he, it, it, the, the funny thing was because he kind of was just like, oh, you know, couldn't get more clever or blah, 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 or whatever. And, uh, I'm just like, dude, you're in Boris the Sprinkler. You're Rev Norm. Like, give me a break. Have <laughs> like, you heard your, your, your songs? I love Boris to death. <laughs> I love that band, and I don't know what it was. I think it it was Drugs and Masturbation was the first single I ever heard of theirs, and it was because my friend uh, was in this band called Caustic Soda, and he sent me mixtapes of bands, and th- that was the f- opening track on one of the mixtapes he sent me was Drugs and Masturbation. I heard it, and I was just like, oh, my God. This is incredible. I don't know what this is, but I'm fucking laughing. It's awesome. It's so funny. When's the song going to actually start? And then it starts, and you're just like, wow. The song's only yeah. like a minute and a half long or something, but the, the, the rant at the start's like four minutes long. It's, also, it's ridiculous. Dude, like, when, when I had gotten it, probably that same compilation that I heard the McCrackens on, Boris the Sprinkler had um the Screaming Demon Marsh. Or, I can't remember the song. Oh, Gargoyles? Uh, fucking the Gargoyles song. Oh, yes, and he's yes, ranting. Yes. He's like, he said something about the screaming demon Martians riding go karts in my head. But I wound up picking up uh, Mega Anal. That was my first Boris record. And dude, that was that album was an anthem for a whole summer. We lived a, we lived similar my... experiences. That was the first album of theirs I bought as well. So, uh, dude, Mega Anal. Yeah, on so picture funny. disc, picture disc vinyl. I ha- yes, I do have the picture disc too. Yeah, so so amazing. <laughs> It is. They. I just remembered, like, the reason I loved it so much was just, uh, not only was it just hilarious and just so, you know, I was in this hysterics through the ridiculousness of the songs, like, Scratch My Yahtzee and, you know, I'm a worry war, baby. <laughs> and, you know, Sheena's got a Whatever microwave and stuff. I'm like, just sitting there going, this is actually really clever. Like, it's now, a really have clever the, band. Do you have the CD version? I know. I've got, but I know that... Uh, uh, it doesn't it play the whole album as one track at the end of it or something? Yeah, and the songs are all mixed up. Yeah, I think there's, it plays it backwards. Track order. In the backwards order. I'm not sure if it's exactly backwards, but it might be. But yeah, it's, uh, and I think they do another one where there's a bunch of acapella stuff at the end of like some of the songs. Okay. I know I've got... Uh, maybe it's that I, one. Actually, maybe it's that one because I think they do Sheena's Got a Microwave like acapella. Oh, yeah, I've got that vocals. on that 10-inch, that tour 10-inch that they released. They do an a cappella version of that on there. And it's, oh, maybe that's where it's from. Maybe it's on that. Yeah, it's good to actually, because you can pick out the words, everything he's saying, and it's just, it makes it even funnier. Cena's got a microwave now. Cena's got a microwave now. Cena's got a microwave now. Okay, stop. Stop, There's stop, other news in Secret stop. Agent and she makes me feel so fine She's back girl 51% Hells Angel 49 Her crazy Krypton true cuts make an Ollie old man drool She used man man manic panic man but I say she's still cool I ask myself why I am here and if I'm taking too long am I doing it alright If I'm doing it wrong it's gonna be a long night That's what she got a haircut like that and the jacket that looks so fine She she got on the street with bad finger leaves and you ain't no friend of mine S H W N A S 
H double E N A, yes, H double E N A, yes, H double E N A. Reading T T T C comics with a microwave for light. Playing boop boop bootleg records, man, I know that girl ain't right. I'm a candy coated retard, she's my leopard spotted slut, and I get away with murder 'cause she knows that I'm a nut. I ask myself why I am here, and if I'm taking too long, am I doing it right? If I'm doing it wrong, it's gonna be a long night. But I ask her what she got, a haircut like that, and a jacket that looks so fine. She says she got it on the street, but bad finger leaves, and you ain't no friend of mine. S H W E N A, yes, H W E N A, yes, H W E N A, yes, H W E N A. She just got a microwave now. She just got a microwave now. She just got a microwave now. Defrost. Guitar solo. I ask myself why I am here And if I'm taking too quick, am I doing it right? She's gonna get sick, it's gonna be a long night Then I ask her when she got a haircut like that And a jacket that looks so fine She says she got it on the street where bad finger leaves And you ain't no friend of mine She says she got it on the street where bad finger leaves And you ain't no friend of mine She says she got it on the street where bad finger leaves And you ain't no friend of mine I'm done with that one with the boop 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 bootleg records and a microwave for light reading dc comics yes yeah that's such a tongue twister i i get i get like half of that song when i get in mode (laughs) i don't even know how he does it i don't know how he can do that like that is a gift to be able to you know spew forth gibberish as fast as he does and, you know, without, like, I don't know, it just seems like, I, I, when I interviewed him, I asked him about it, and I talked to him about that, and I said, how do you come up with that? Like, do you just walk in there with some ideas in your head and just go, right, I'm just going to start talking, or do you actually write it down? And he actually said, he goes, oh, I've got some ideas. I'm like, you fucking cannot be serious. You write that whole fucking thing down? I don't think he does, because it seems to, it doesn't seem like he's written anything down, because he's goofing off more than anything right i don't know i have a i have vhs video of them live that i that i filmed in ohio and uh, i have to dig that out the first time i saw i drove to ohio to see them it was like a 14 hour drive wow (laughs) (laughs) and it was amazing it was them the connie duns and the kung fu monkeys oh great Um, show connie duns are right yeah yeah it was so fucking so amazing i got a mike mikey erg was doing merch for them that was before (laughs) That was before he was Mikey Erg. He was just a yappy little, like, 17, 16-year-old kid. But uh, I, I have it all on video. I, I think I have their set and the Connie Dunn set. Ah, oh, love to see that. You should get that and, shit uh, onto YouTube someday. Yeah, you know, I've had, like, Mark Mark Enoch, who uh, did Knock Knock Records mm-hmm. in, in subordination. I know he asked me for years to dub copies, and I just failed at doing it. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I have, I actually just set my VCR up. And uh, if I can five, figure out how to put that stuff on digital. I'll someday I'll sit down. I have so much footage. What stuff that you filmed yourself or just, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stuff, stuff that I filmed. I, I, like I, like you were with the camera. I used to film everything. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I lost a lot of my footage. I lost 50 something height tapes. Oh God. Two hour height. Ta- yeah. It's pretty saddening. So that was a good portion of my BMX like career and uh, a lot of like my the early music. I, I filmed my first band. I filmed like every show for like four years. Yeah, I did that too. But I, I, 
But uh, of stuff that I did film, I know I have, um, I think I have an Avail Suicide Machine show. And uh, I, I definitely have that Connie Dunn's Boris the Sprinkler. I probably got some other stuff buried buried away. Wow. I've got tons of shit like that too, like that from tape training though. Like I remember once uh, when I interviewed Kim from the Muffs and uh, we had like a feedback issue like what you heard before. And she said, right. uh, she goes, oh, my God, that sounds like one of our gigs. And I said, no, it doesn't. I've seen you guys live. She goes, where did you see us live? And I said, well, I've got a video of you guys playing at this place called JC Dobbs. And she goes, oh, my God, you saw us there. We were shit that night. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, no, nah, that show's fucking wild, man. It's a great show. And she's like, no, no, no. You come and see us another time. We'll be a lot better, I promise. So, <laughs> well, You know how it goes, you know. <laughs> But that's the way I, the I that's the way I could see bands is I would just like do tape trading because I'm I'm like I'm never gonna see these bands live. Never. Right. Yeah. I, I have some stuff too that was sent to me and whatnot, you know, some weasel and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I got shitloads of weasel on video, VHS. One of them from uh, I got a Riverdale's uh, support gig from when they played with Green Day as well. Oh no shit. You know I I have some Riverdale's that I haven't haven't even looked at this stuff in years and years so much good stuff there is just so much out there thank you so much for hanging out though and uh going through all of this stuff about your career and doing the dow fire stuff and that i'm it's been fucking rad man i've had a rad time oh me too dude thank you again for everything it's awesome i'm glad we finally got to connect yeah, for sure, and uh, hopefully in the future, I mean, once your new stuff comes out, once Sonic Diffuse has got an album out or something like that, maybe you can come back and talk about that again. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that whole project's just an excuse to make music with my, my old buddy. <laughs> and why not? That's all you need, just an excuse. Yep. Okay. Yeah. The littlest oh, yeah. thing. No, it'll be fun. Awesome. Well, have a fucking great day, whatever it is that you choose hey. to do, and um, I'm sure we will catch up online, you know, shortly. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. All the best, man. Thank you so much. All right. Same to you. All right. Take care, man. Your parents know that you're remote?